Welcome to today's episode of Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. This is not a bite-size episode. This is a full-size episode. Maybe even a queen-size episode. You be the judge. But I'm your host, Teresa Melito Connors, a PhD-level self-care expert in the greater Boston area with a passion for helping others recognize the importance of caring for themselves. I was going to do a whole long intro about the definition of self-care, but... I just keep coming back to my favorite Audre Lorde quote from 1988, as it is timeless. Caring for myself is not self-indulgent. It is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. That quote is very apropos when I tell you about today's guest. We are very excited to welcome Amy Sika back by popular demand to the self-care cabaret. You may recall Amy from her previous episode, Compassion Over Perfection, which happens to be our number one most downloaded episode to date. Amy is a certified lead peer specialist doing community outreach for individuals living with severe and persistent mental illness. She is passionate about honoring the individual's right to self-determination and finding their own path to recovery. Amy is back with us having recently divorced and practicing self-care during an extremely challenging time. Such a great topic as we tend to ignore our needs when the heat is on, but we cannot spiral out of control and must still care for ourselves even in the bad times. I am thrilled to have Amy share her perspective as she navigates this new chapter of her life as a newly divorced mom of two. Here is our conversation. Welcome back, Amy, to the Dr. MC podcast. Hey, it is so good to see you again. I know. Likewise, you've had, um, well, you know, your first episode, Compassion Over Perfection, still ranks as my number one episode, which is pretty awesome. (laughs) We wanted to bring you back because you've actually had kind of a lot going on recently and you're willing to share. Yeah. And I I must say, it's so wild to hear that that's like the number one ranked episode because it's just me talking about kind of being a hot mess mom. Yeah, but uh, people can relate to that. <laughs> it's, it's, it always kind of makes me sit back and reflect of the things that if I'm in a bad headspace, I can really judge myself on. But mm. this is why I do what I do when I'm so open and I'm vocal because at the end of the day, more people relate <laughs> than not. You know, and absolutely, I would love to put on a mask and pretend my life is perfect, but I'd like to live a pretty, you know, semi honest life nowadays. <laughs> no, I like to live an honest absolutely. life nowadays, but yeah, so and I'm so happy that you invited me back. I've been thinking a lot about being open, right? About life challenges, whether it's being a mom or a working mom, or even when I was a stay at home mom, right? There's always these balances and. I recently actually just finalized my divorce with the father of my children and we were together. It's actually funny. We used to joke about it because we, neither of us ever remembered like when we met, (laughs) but we've been together for a really long time. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Um, And it's just, it's been wild. But as I've gone through this process, which I know we'll get into more, I just realized how the topic of divorce is so taboo still. You know, and it's whispered about of like, oh, did you hear about them? Or I wonder what happened there. And I think one of the best experiences I had was 
I was with an old coworker who was now a coworker again at a different agency, but um, I just kind of informed him what was going on. And he said, congratulations. Oh. And I was just like, oh, I've never had that response before. And he was just like, well, it's obviously what you want. I'm not going to have pity on you. Congratulations for being able to do what you feel you need to do in your life. And I was just like, wow. Out of everyone that I've talked to, only one looked at it as like this, not that it's positive, right? But they didn't have this sense of pity or, oh, I don't know what to say response. Yeah. It's a nice reframe, really. Yeah. When you think about it, because I mean, what's the alternative? You obviously, for whatever reason, it wasn't working. Right. So do you keep battling against something that's not working and, you know, run out another 10 years, maybe 20 years and then just be continue to be miserable? Mm-hmm. I mean, that I guess that would have been your alternative, right? Yeah. And I think that's part of kind of what got me to where I was. <clears throat> you know, I won't I won't talk badly about my ex. He's a wonderful dad. He loves his kids to pieces. And I know he loved me. But sometimes we reach this level of complacency in life. And I was doing some self-reflection of like, you know, we both deserve more. It wasn't even just me. Like you do as well. I am not the one for you. I was able to identify that. It wasn't easy to admit. But, you know, we obviously have two kids and it's such a hard age because they're in like the middle school years where Mm. hormones. And those are hard no matter what. (laughs) Middle school is just a hot mess no matter what. (laughs) So bad. But it was just like. Do we wait longer? And as I would like play this out in my head, I knew if anyone that I ever supported at work came to me and was like, here's how I'm feeling. I knew that I wasn't following the advice I would give others. Sure. What Mm -hmm. I knew was like the, you know, I don't think there's ever a right answer, but I know like, it was like, well, you know, you can't stay together for other people or this or that. I wasn't following it. And so Mm. again, it's, it's, Divorce doesn't have to be this nasty thing. Could it turn nasty? Yes. Of course. Well, and they, I mean, they often do. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's a, an ugly thing. Feelings are hurt. Things, you know, things happen and whatnot. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. For me, thinking about like the self-care aspect, it's funny. So, so I trained for the state of Massachusetts for, for peer specialists. So it's for people with lived experience with mental health challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, And I identify as one. And there's a worksheet that we do. Or I don't know if it's a worksheet, but it's an exercise that we do. I was taking the training myself years ago. And the question is, what would you do if you were not afraid? Mm. And so the idea behind this is that you get to put your fears aside and explore like your hopes and your dreams or where you want to be in life, all from the safety of your comfort zone. There's no like immediate pressure to make the next step or to make changes. It's just like that, that spot to daydream. And that's when I would first have that like aha moment of, you know, change is scary. It's hard. Yeah. You know, there's financial stressors, emotional stressors, family stressors, all of these stressors that come into play to making such a huge decision. But that was just like this light bulb moment in a training for work. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's a really powerful thing, though, to just think for a moment. Yeah. And even for our listeners, too, to just, so what would you do if you were no longer afraid? Yeah, Is that what the, would you do if you weren't afraid? If you weren't afraid. It's almost like I've, I've seen something similar, like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Yeah. Very similar, kind of. Like, you just, you almost feel those questions, like, in your bones. That's like, oh, I don't know. I do so many things. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> because, well, we can be our own worst enemies, right? We, we're constantly, like you said, you opened up as saying you're, you're so hard on yourself. You can't believe your episode has, has been listened to however many hundreds of times. And you're just like, oh, my God, I'm resonating with people. Like, because we're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to practice more self-compassion. Compassion over perfection or something, right? Compassion over perfection. Hmm. Who came up with that title? Is that you? (laughs) (laughs) I think I had a solid assist from you, though, Teresa. I think so. I think I called it out, but it was your language. But it's really, I think it's really important to think about. And I know that, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to share this really vulnerable, difficult time and kind of think about, you know, the steps that are are helping you get through it. Because it's a pretty fresh wound at this point. Yeah. And but yet being able to step back and be like, this is what's best for both of us Mm -hmm. and probably for your children in the long run, too. I mean, I grew up in a house where it was not a healthy relationship and that wasn't that's not good. That's not good either. (laughs) So, you know, keeping that going and being in that type of toxic environment. And my mom was not able to divorce my dad until I was 20. And there's a whole we don't need to go into all those reasons why and whatnot. But you know, that was hard. It was really hard. So I really commend you for, and him for being able to take the steps and be like, okay, this isn't working. Yeah. And I think we have moments where like you see that glimmer of like the friendship because he was my best friend. Of course. And so I think that's the hardest part is that at least where we are right now, I had lost my best friend. Yeah. But you see those glimmers of hope and maybe I'm naive. You know, I know I still get spicy at times, too, with it because it's fresh for me, too. And I have feelings with how certain things played out. But I just can only hold on to that hope that at the end of the day, some remnants of what was there will still be able to come together. Not just for our kids, but for ourselves as well. Sure. When you're together that long, you go through a lot of stuff together. Yeah. That shouldn't ever really be ignored. But it's it's wild, though, because although I knew I was taking the steps to be happy, right? And not to say I wasn't happy, but I, I just, I needed, I wasn't fulfilled. Like I wasn't, you know, there was just, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm not going to try to put a term on it because it's just impossible. But so even though I knew I was taking the steps that were right for me, let's put it that way, it's still so hard. And mm. it's it's funny. So I talk about having self-compassion and what I was doing direct support work in the mental health and and substance use field, I would teach people about self-care and self-checks and, you know, be patient with yourself and allow yourself to process all of life stressors. And I think I, I tried to put on a brave face for a very long time, but then my body started to show the signs. I at one point was living off of Ensure Shakes because my appetite was gone so much that I wasn't eating at all. I think I lost 20 pounds in like a matter of three months. My menstrual cycles were messed up. I was like constantly fatigued. Back in the day when my kids were little, I loved microwave dinners. And then I was just like, "Mm, we're going to eat real food. I'm on (laughs) awful cook, but like real food is like three different options, but at least I would cook it. 
But thank God for microwavable dinners. (laughs) (laughs) They saved you. (laughs) And my kids too. So they didn't starve because I would just be on the couch and be like, okay, there's three cheese pasta marinara, (laughs) you know, but I mean, they were pumped because to them it was just like, oh, cool. Like what what do we have in the freezer today? So I was able to like, at least make it fun. But this is where like that whole self-compassion thing comes in of, for a while, I was like, oh my gosh, how did I not notice <laughs> like my mental health was going downhill with all of this stuff happening? But I eventually got there and I was just like, damn, I am stressed out. Like I knew I was stressed yeah. out, but it wasn't until it was like one physical symptom after another just building up that it was like, okay, like I am allowed to feel my feelings. I mean, I started smoking cigarettes again after not smoking for two years and then I would beat myself up over that. But again, where is my self-compassion? Right. But it took a little yeah. while for me to get there. And I'm I'm still definitely not perfect, <laughs> you know? But. Well, that's okay. You recognize it. <laughs> and we're striving for compassion over perfection. <laughs> so that's good. But I mean, you bring up so many good points. So when we think about stress, I mean, stress will kill you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you started talking about already the physical manifestations of it in your body uh, pretty intensely, right? So, I mean, your nervous system was all sorts of out of whack, but you need to be able to get to a place where you recognize that. So I'm very proud of you. I commend you again for recognizing that and then being able to, you know, give yourself the space that you need. And it might take a while, but at least you're taking the steps to do it. And I was even when you were talking and somewhat related. So earlier, the end of last school year really felt like for me, getting over a traumatic experience because like the end of the school year was just wild. There was just so many things happening in the outside world within the school community, just a really difficult time. So I found myself like when summer vacation started, I couldn't like function. And I was just like, I need space. Yeah. I need to rest. But then of course there's that other part of me that's like, um, you have 9 million things to do. All these projects you wanted to get done, all the Dr. MC stuff you wanted to do. You got podcasts to record, like get it together, kid, act like a champion. (laughs) And like that, like nasty voice going off. But luckily I was able to listen to the other voice, the self-compassion voice and be like, no, like I don't have, like I need to give myself time to just literally be lazy, be outside in the sun, take a nap, sleep, sleep in late, like do nothing. And I did. And it took till probably took a couple of weeks. Like I would say maybe like after the 4th of July and like what school get out like the end of June where I was finally like, okay, I feel like I can human again. Like, <laughs> And, but being able to, I'm really proud of myself for being able to give myself that space. Cause there's a version of Dr. MC long before she was Dr. MC where I would not have done that. And I would not have given myself that space. And I think that's, I know we talked about this on the, on the last episode too, but how much of that comes from internally. Right. But, and then society mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. Like, well, you got to keep going just, Pick yourself up. Hustle culture. And get it done. <laughs> and yeah, and make sure you're just still, you know, grinding and burning the candle at both ends. And that was what mm-hmm. was really hard as me. Like, I don't nap. I didn't snap. Let me rephrase. <laughs> I napped. I would be up the whole night and I would be miserable mm. and everything else. I am like a, a, a habitual napper now. Nice. And it's, I'll still have those moments where I like beat myself up over it. But it's just like learning to listen to my body. And allowing myself 
to reset, but mm-hmm. also heal. Yes. You know, like you said, like stress can kill you. And like I was able to see my body falling apart. I need to heal. And it's still a constantly like, you know, I was joking around with a friend of mine earlier about just dinners and stuff. I was like, I should start cooking more. Like I cook more than I was, but I, I found myself immediately beating myself up. And I was like, but why? Are my kids fed? Yes. Are they, Are they happy? happy? I sure as heck hope so. You know, they, Are they healthy? We're yeah. good. It's okay. But allowing yourself to have that space for whatever it is. I mean, I never watched TV. I can't tell you how many shows I have binge watched on Netflix <laughs> in the last year. Like, I am invested. Nice. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, I won't say it's bad, but it's just for me, it's different. It's different. But you're giving yourself the space that you need to kind of reset. Like, you'll get there because mm-hmm. I know you're going to keep fighting and keep doing the work yeah. to heal. But I mean... At the end of the day, divorce is a traumatic experience. I know that some people don't agree with that statement. I 100% agree with that statement. So you have to, and you can't just flip a switch and it's like, oh, and I'm over it. Like, that would be crazy if that was the case. So you have, like, especially, you know, when there's a lot of feelings and kids involved and, and lots of things and you guys have been together for so long, like, there's so much, so many layers to that and, like, just healing that has to happen. Yeah. So I'm wondering how has, like, we've done self-compassion. So we got, what, one of the 10 domains. Mm. I'm wondering how, though, like, other areas. I know you had a a weekend of Amy at one point. (laughs) I did. (laughs) We had the Summer of George, the weekend of Amy. (laughs) So how else have you been doing this healing? Yeah, you know, so the weekend of Amy, so Teresa probably saw it on Facebook. But, you know, as a mom, we don't always do things for ourselves. And... I, I can't remember if the divorce was finalized, but the custody was at least in motion. So I didn't have my kids at that moment. And one thing I've noticed is that's actually where it's the hardest time for me. It's weird. Like somebody's like, okay, yes, I'm going to walk around the house and clean everything. And trash isn't going to be trailing me from children. <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, where's all the trash? <laughs> you know, weird balance. But that's what I did. I went out. I tried oysters recently. Oh. I don't know why. Convinced they were going to be absolutely disgusting because I'm, in my unasked for opinion, they look disgusting. I got to be honest. I haven't ha- ever eaten one. Oh, so we have to go because uh, they're delicious. <laughs> and I was like so shocked. And I'm like, like, like I'm not rich. Like, I can't afford oysters every week. Aww. But you know what? I'm going to try. And so that's what I did. I went out with a friend and I mean like, we ate so many, like we were about to burst some oysters. And then, like, <laughs> I got a tattoo when I just like spent. Of an oyster? Would you no, guys do? Okay. <laughs> I got a tattoo of a red panda. Why? I have no idea because it was <laughs> a tattoo artist who does amazing work. Put it up and I'm like, yes, I want that. So when you sit in a tattoo chair for like five hours, like weird conversations happen. Aww. And so his name is Mr. Death Skittles. And then his nickname is Senor Santiago. But you know what? He brings me happiness and he's cute. Okay. And he like looks like he wants to give you a high five. And it's just like, yes, I love you. And I So you got oysters, you got a tattoo. So you did things you wanted to do and you wanted to try. Yeah. And I think back to, for like the tattoo piece, I haven't had gotten a tattoo in, gosh, probably 2015. 
I don't know, do the math. Math isn't my strong suit. Mm-hmm. Seven or eight years. <laughs> so I train other people. I actually share with them because so many things are looked down upon, right? And there was at one point in my life where I didn't have the best coping strategies. And tattoos replaced that. So I remember like going back to like when my mom passed away, God, it was like the very next day I was in a tattoo chair because let me tell you, tattoos are like a more society accepted sense of like self-harm in a way. Mm. When I'm in my feelings, I enjoy the pain. Like it feels good. It it, it lets my- It's a release. Yes. But it's, I mean, some people do look down on them and okay, fine. Maybe we won't be best friends, but- and so I got that release because I went back to what I did. Like it, <laughs> tattoos got me through my mom passing away and my grandmother passing away and, mm. and doing all of this stuff. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to sit down for five hours and zone out and listen to good music and have good conversation and get a random red panda. You know? <laughs> why not? Why not? <laughs> you know? And it's just like being able to joke around with it even or just have fun or just not overwhelm myself I'm an overthinker by nature it's a blessing and a curse but for me I have to find those ways and that's maybe why like the binge watching tv happens too because it makes me stop thinking I'm able to Mm. put my focus onto something else you can zone out yeah like whatever yeah no I see that and actually like even you know what I'm was experiencing is, is different but like still like the same like we definitely like binge like when I'm kind of you know not being feeling super motivated needing to give myself space like that's what we do and then it's like all right you know what the Dr. MC stuff's gonna happen on its own timeline like when I'm ready to revisit it it's gonna be there for me like it's okay if I take a couple weeks off and like being able to be okay with that though has taken a long time mm-hmm. to not then beat myself up about it and I still like this is not like I'm not perfect I as you were describing like beating yourself up about the TV dinners mm-hmm. and the frozen dinners I beat myself up about takeout like we'll do takeout mm-hmm. my husband and I and we'll be like oh we've had like we just we've had so much takeout this week and then I start like beating myself up about it because those old sneaky eating disorder voices start like ooh are we back yeah. what's going on here and then I have to go through that whole process and then you know and Jeff will even say to me he'll be like um why are we beating ourselves up <laughs> what are we doing here what's the problem so what we're having takeout like it's not a big deal and like he's right like it's not a big deal but then I'll sometimes try to slide back into that place of dis-ease and mm-hmm. just chaos and it's not it's fine like it's fine like we're fed (laughs) we're we're happy like that's the most important thing you have to eat right and you know whatever like it's okay so you do better the next night or you do better the next week some weeks are better than others Mm -hmm. it's funny too it's so much it's like a learning process yeah you know of like all right well what things work and what things don't and then i love it's always because i'm obviously like the queen of self-checks so it's like where i can tell where i am (laughs) mentally that's great that's a great practice so while I did a lot of the things at home there was certain things that I didn't do like mow the lawn okay so we have a ride on lawnmower and I'm looking at my lawn and I'm like oh crap (laughs) (laughs) 
It does look like Fern Gully out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, anyone who knows me and tries to picture me on a ride on lawnmower, I'm sure you're laughing while you're listening to this. But first, the battery was dead. And then so I had a wonderful friend come and help and fix the battery. And then, like, I'm driving around. I can see, like, my neighbors watching me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then there was, like, one spot where I had to, like, pull up and you have to back up. And there's, like, a reverse option. And the reverse option would not work. So I called. I FaceTimed one of my best friend's husbands because I always joke with him that he's my rental husband. And so <laughs> I was just like on FaceTime and I was like, reverse isn't working. And I was just like slowly inching into like my house. Oh no. <laughs> and he just started dying laughing. And that's what I needed. You know what I mean? Because I was just like sitting here, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to go in reverse. I just want to move on. And he just everything's laughed. a failure. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, what am I doing? <laughs> I wish I could be watching myself right now. And I just grant myself those learning moments or that time to reset or even, you know what? Like there's been times I've I've acted out. I've said mean things. I own that. Like I said, I want to be honest. Like I haven't made the best, like all of the right decisions. I can't sit here and say like, oh yeah, we all navigated this perfectly. Yeah, but who can? Exactly. And, And to allow myself to be able to be like, you know what? Maybe I could have said that nicer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just in life, right? Like sometimes we have those moments where we're just like not the best version of ourselves yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. And then, but that goes back to the self-compassion. Like life is hard. Mm-hmm. Life is hard under the best circumstances and you're going to have challenges and you're going to face setbacks and you're going to face failures. But the good news is like everybody else is human too. And we're all going to do it at some point. Like not every day is, you know, butterflies and sunshine. Like sometimes it sucks. It would be cooler if it was. (laughs) Yeah, I know it would be cool if it was, but that's not going to happen. So I wonder, and you know, you mentioned your children. So Mm -hmm. now, you know, you are navigating single mom life. Mm. And I know from what you shared in the first episode, talking about, you know, not, shielding them from things and kind of like when your mom passed and having like letting them see you cry and letting them like feel that pain with you and understand things so I'm wondering like how has this experience been in that regard I think this is one of the biggest areas where my ex and I probably don't see eye to eye and that's okay he has his reasons I have mine and so while I want to be open. I didn't initially want to tell them until like I had concrete answers for any questions that they gave me, you know? Sure. So I think back to my own parents' divorce. It was ugly. It was nasty. God rest her soul. (laughs) My mother, like she overshared with us. Yeah. And and it was because she was hurting and, and she was heartbroken, you know, because she just wanted to keep the family together, even though she was not happy. I can say for a fact, my mother was not happy, but she was, you know, you put your family's happiness before yours or whatever. Right. And so I want to break that cycle, first of all. But so that's something I'm always kind of balancing out of like, how much do you share with children? Hmm. Because I want to promote a good relationship with their father while also like, you know, you don't want to be like, you don't want to be trash talking. Like that's not, that gets Mm -hmm. so ugly. Like we don't want to do that. But they do know that like, this was my choice. So it's like, how do I, that's something I'm still kind of figuring out every day of like, how do I let them know that like, 
I'm not this awful person Mm. because grand scheme of things, I'm the one who made the choice to break our family up. And at the ages that they're at right now, I don't think that that's a concept you can genuinely understand. You might be able to an extent, right? I'm personally in the mindset that I don't want to overshare with them because I want them to be worried about like my daughter starting middle school. Her biggest worry right now should be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to a new school. I don't know how to get around. Or like what color binder mm. am I going to use for science? Yes. Like that's, <laughs> you know, or am I going to have matching? Yeah, that, yeah, a hundred percent. So it's kind of like one of those, <sighs> I'm figuring it out as I go moments. Yeah. And you bring up some good points. So when you think about, you want to break that cycle, I want to go back to that for just a second. You are breaking that cycle and you are healing the generational trauma. Yeah. And I'm sure your mom, I mean, I do remember your mom as a, as a person, but I didn't know her super well. But anyway, she may have overshared as a crutch too. Like you said, she was healing and she was hurt. So you guys, her children were her little best friends. So yeah. she was going to like overshare. That is a really fine line to walk. Like what is too much? And you had that lived experience where like that, you know what too much was for you. So the fact that you're aware of that and not putting up a boundary to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. That didn't work for me. So I'm not going to put that on my kids. I think in time they'll come around to it and they may start asking questions Mm -hmm. or, and you know, you can choose to, you know, be open and honest at that time with what feels right and where they are at and why they're asking the questions. But I think that's really, you know, it's a powerful thing for you to keep exploring, thinking about like not continuing that cycle because of what that put on you. Yeah. And it's like kind of like, at least for me, what's age appropriate? Yeah. You know, because there's a reason, and I, I know just from other people I've talked to that it's not unique in mind that like courts will literally share, like, don't talk to your kids about what happened in court <laughs> or something. Mm. And there's a reason why, you know? And so I, I personally don't think that they need to know the ins and outs of everything. How does that help? No, it doesn't. And you, at the end of the day, you want them to have a relationship with their father. Yes. And you don't want to tarnish that. And you want them to be able to have, obviously have a relationship with you and to be open and honest with you. So I would imagine that, you know, over time, this will present itself. You know, I think it's rather powerful of you to be able, though, to reflect and know that you're figuring out where the line is instead of just jumping the line <laughs> and just diving right, which I feel like is a natural thing to want to do mm-hmm. that you're actually like, no, let me take this back. They don't need to know all the gory details of the relationship. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they need to know like whatever they need to know, like they're going to figure it out or they're going to ask. They need to know that they have two parents that love them. That's right. my view, you know, and don't get me wrong. There's definitely been times that I've, that said little one-liners or something here and there. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't have to yeah. say that. Ooh, but again, that's not helping. <laughs> yeah. But like, I'm human. And and it's funny because like when me and their dad were together, it was because we never fought when we were married. I almost wish we did. Cause maybe there was a <laughs> passion or something. You then know? they would have understood. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, so now that like we actually fight and stuff, it's just like, this is like a whole new territory, mm. but it's just like, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes as we go through this. 
he's definitely going to make mistakes as we go through this. But at the end of the day, like my biggest goal right now is one, obviously I still am a firm believer that you can't be a good mom until you put yourself first. Um, so I want to be happy. I want to say that again. Say that again. You can't be a good mom. So yeah, I am a firm believer that to be a good mom, you got to put yourself first. Wow. What a concept. Self-care comes first, even when you're a mom. Mm -hmm. And it's free in many different ways. (laughs) It is 100%. Practice that self-care. It's almost like it's important or something. (laughs) You should make a podcast about it. Oh, my God. If only somebody would. (laughs) Write that down on a sticky note. Seriously. No, but like you're right. You do have to put yourself first. And so I I love everything that you are, you know, that you're being willing to share and that you're reflecting on and going through. It's it's pretty cool. And I'm thinking about, too, you made me you made me think about my own parents divorce and my parents did fight a lot and things were not pleasant at times, shall we say. And when my parents got divorced, you know, it was never a question. I would go live with my mom, like not a question. And I don't have a relationship with my father currently Mm -hmm. but when they first got divorced we kind of tried we played the game a little bit and I remember at um you know at one point I think it was my dad like he we were went to lunch or something and he you know would make some little snide comments about my mom and then I remember my mom like made a little comment about my dad and like because I was 20 though when you think about like your kids like I'm much old I was much older than your kids are right now and I remember being like oh no 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 we're not playing this game. Uh-huh. Like if you, I'm going to like said to my dad, I'm like, if I'm, we're going to spend time together, we're going to spend time together. And I don't want any comments about mom. And not, you're not asking me questions. You're not needling me for information. And then I said the same thing to my mom. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to hang out with daddy sometimes. And like, I don't really appreciate. And like, they both were actually in very respectful of that boundary. Unfortunately, my father still wasn't be able to hold it together to keep a relationship uh-huh. going for much, much past that time. But I do remember being like, oh, no, this is not going to work. So like being really mindful of that, too, and making sure, you know, not to put your kiddos in that situation either, because that's not fair. I love, too, how you mentioned how you don't have a relationship with your dad. So it's like instinctually, I want to say, I'm sorry, but (laughs) I also don't have a relationship with my dad. And he's my one remaining parent. Right. Through this whole process. That has been probably not one of my biggest lessons, but it was something that actually really helped. And I still don't, I'm not perfect at it, right? But there could be many reasons why my ex is a very quiet, go with the flow type of guy. And then there's me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Some people are probably like, oh yeah, Amy, you know. But I don't talk to anybody in my immediate family family anymore. Mm. And guess what? This is probably the happiest I've ever been. I always used to say it before that my mom and my grandmother were my family. They sure. passed away and we played like the game, <laughs> right? Like right. my dad would come up like once or twice a year. Usually if he would wanted to get like wood for his fireplace because I got a cord of wood when I moved up thinking I was going to be like New Hampshire. I'm not New Hampshire. I don't light fires. They scare me. So it just sat in my garage. <laughs> she couldn't put the lawnmower in her garage. I'm not saying I could. Like, that I, was not throwing shade. <laughs> like, I'm not cut out for this life. 
And it's so, and I bring this to work with me every day too, because we'll talk about the importance of family and, and supports and natural supports or whatever. And I will be the first person, because it's all online meetings now, right? I will be the first person to unmute my mic. Define family. <laughs> because does family need to be blood relatives? I'm here to say it does not. I, I have, in my opinion, the best family I have ever had in a very long time. And I am blood related to, I think, one of them who is a cousin of mine. No, I, I'm 100% on board. And when you said, you know, the instinct, when you go back to like divorce too, the instinct is to want to pity. Like, yeah. and people have done this to me too. Like when I, I say it kind of casually, like, well, I don't have a relationship with my dad. And they're like, oh, you need to fix that. I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah, no, I, I really I don't. I it by not having a relationship with Yeah, I'm dad. like, no, I'm actually pretty sure I tried yeah. and that went nowhere. And actually this is a really firm boundary that I have to set for myself mm. in order to function the way that I function yeah and does it suck sure but you know what is worse is allowing that toxicity mm -hmm. into your life and allowing someone with a constant victim mentality and a narcissist mm -hmm. to be in your orbit that's actually much worse yes Nobody's congratulated me yet on it, but I hope to someday. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. You know, it's so funny as you sh as we sit here and we talk about like, you know, personal supports and and self care and how it all matters. It makes me think back. So you recently came to my work to do a self care workshop, right? I did. That was so much fun. It was amazing, <laughs> and the feedback that we got was incredible. And awesome. Feel free to correct me wherever I mess this up because you are the self-care guru, not me. But so we went over the 10 domains of self-care. And I we remember did. the first few, I was just like, oh, oh, no. Your scores were low because I kept calling you out. I was like on the chat. I'm like, oh, OK, Amy, we got room to grow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but is there one about like supports or, or, or like relationships relationships, relationships right? and that's yeah. where i was able to bounce back you did actually yeah i remember that and so that's funny too like when we think about the self-care domains and great plug for the dr mc uh workshops by the way i think we could actually um we'll cut to commercial now absolutely are you looking for exciting, engaging, and useful professional development and workshops for your school, business, or organization? Well, look no further. Dr. MC offers a variety of options and topics related to self-care and renewal, trauma recovery, building resilience, developing a growth mindset, stress management, and more. Completely customizable to fit every need. And coming soon is a new program to help high school students manage the challenges they are facing today and the increasing concerns around mental health. Visit drmcselfcare.com to learn more and request a session. And we're back. But when we think about the domains of self-care, as Amy was just talking about, you know, and you talked about like family, like does family, what does that mean? How do you define that? When you actually look at that research and the domains of self-care and relation, it's relationships. It's not family. Mm -hmm. So I think that you're allowed to define it for yourself. And it's what it says is to spend time and make time with people who are good to you. That might not be your blood relatives. Yeah. That might not be your dad or your brother or your sister or your mom. Like that might not be those people. But you do need to find those people. 
And it sounds like you have found them, which is awesome. And, you know, and it's okay that there isn't space for other people that don't bring that into your life. Yeah. You know, if we go back to how it's such like a taboo topic and no one talks about it. So I teach people and train and my career is based off of using your lived experience to let other people know that they're not alone. So I remember a little while ago, I put something out on Facebook. People can have their thoughts on that. That's fine. Was I doing it for myself? Maybe a little bit, but this is what I do every day. And it's like ingrained in me at this point, you know, of like, I wish I had someone else write something or post something so I could be like, oh my gosh, can I just process this with you? And let me tell you, it was like overwhelming how many people reached out in Facebook Messenger, not set, not looking for dirty details or anything like that, of, but more of like, how, how did you do it? Were you mm. scared? Are you scared now? What does it actually look like? What does the process actually look like? Because we know what the TV tells us or, you know. Even me sometimes, like the scorned ex-wife, like, ah, this is awful. But I was actually able to be like, hey, this is what it looks like. This is what it costs, you know, Mm. all of that. Well, and I think a lot of people are scared. Yeah. You know, and they're even, and I'm not saying just of divorce, but of change, of really doing what they want to do in life and taking that leap and not just settling because sometimes it's just easier to just settle sometimes you pick up other things to help you numb out sometimes you just kind of you know you you adapt or adopt other you know coping mechanisms whatever that might look like or you find yourself you know people have affairs people do all kinds of things to help mask what is really going on Mm -hmm. and what is really at the root of the problem and so I think I think that's really cool that people were wanting to know just because they're I mean who knows there could be many reasons why maybe it was curiosity or maybe they are also you know thinking in their own mind like is this it for me like what is the rest of my life gonna look like and am I am I happy yeah and what would you do if you weren't afraid (laughs) I love that isn't it amazing (laughs) it's it's like my favorite part of this it's a two-week training and that one part is like my favorite part (laughs) I mean yeah all of it is my favorite and I don't even teach that part (laughs) it's not even one of the (laughs) modules but it's so powerful like I'll I'll never forget how I felt when I heard it and, and had to explore. And it's, you know, and that doesn't have to remain just to people in mental health services or substance use services. That's something I think yeah. anyone can ask themselves. Human services, just yeah. in general. <laughs> well, it reminds me actually of another like question that like sometimes those little like one line like questions are just so powerful. In a, in a much earlier podcast episode with another guest, she was talking about when was the last time you were truly happy? Mm. And like thinking about that, like how do you define your own happiness and what does that look like for you? And if you're finding yourself like not happy right now, like how can you get back to that place? Like what changed? Yeah. What happened? What are you not doing anymore? Who are you not seeing? Any like, what is it? And like, I remember that like really stuck with me too. Cause it's like, yeah, when was, when am I my happiest? Yeah. It tends to be when I'm doing my Dr. MC stuff. Spoiler. But 
Because <laughs> I like helping people. Right. But yeah, cool. No, and I loved the workshop um, at your business was, uh, your agency was awesome. There was such a, um, a lively bunch <laughs> and very dedicated and involved. And you could tell like when you present to, to people when they're really like eating it up. Yeah. And it felt to me, even through Zoom, that their energy and they were eating it up. Um, so that's pretty, um, pretty cool. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Of course. I mean... It was, it was so funny. So I'm um, the executive sponsor of one of our employee resources, resource groups. So we call it Poll People of Lived Experience, but it's for all team members. Does that mean I'm going to let you in on a secret? Okay. A lot of people who work in the mental health field have had their own lived experience of some kind, <laughs> whether it's themselves Shocking. or a family member. So weird, right? <laughs> we definitely don't enter this line of work to become billionaires. Absolutely. And so this has been a reoccurring theme of self-care, self-care, self-care. And then I joined and I was just like, what's that you talk of? Because I know somebody. But <laughs> I think it's just amazing to be able to see that. I mean, obviously, I'm very proud of my agency and other agencies that are doing the same, especially in like the line of work where we do where what we do. We're constantly supporting other people, right. and, you know, burnout is real compassion fatigue is real and then so you go home and then what are you facing when you get home you know when do you ever get that time to just pause and take care of yourself yeah and that's why like the workshop like yours when you came and going over those different domains like for me that was wildly eye-opening because even though I knew I was taking the steps to get back on track you know, is it the physical domain that has the exercise piece? Like, well, there's exercise oh. where like just not, you know, there's that domain, but then there's also the physical medical, but that one's more about like going to the doctor okay. and the dentist. And yeah. like that so there was one member talking about exercise and I remember not that long ago, I woke up, I did yoga. I would lift weights later right. and I would go to bed and I would do yoga before bed. Now my yoga mat is used as a jumping point for my dog to get on my bed so she doesn't slip on the nice. floor. Nice. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah, but it that's okay. Exactly. You'll get back to it. And you can start small. When you start to invite, this is the thing too, like beat yourself up and be like, oh, I'm the worst. My dog's using my yoga mat. But then like to be intentional about it, but also to start small. So yeah. like, you know what? Maybe you can't do yoga in the morning and the weights and then yoga again at night. Maybe you just start with like five minutes in the morning. Yeah. So you start to like get back into your body and see like, I'll be honest, like movement for me has kind of been a little out the window these days also mm -hmm. like exercise. And I have a tricky relationship with exercise as it was one of my purging methods in my eating disorder days. So sometimes I like, I'm like, you know, even just the word exercise, I prefer to use movement. Yeah. But so now I'm like, okay, well, I'm obviously not going to like run a marathon tomorrow, but we can start to, I can go make myself up to the second floor at my school once a day. I can go like, I can have a five minute dance party again. Like I can start to just bring it back in. And I know that very soon I'll start to feel better mm -hmm. and feel good. And then it'll become part of the routine again, but being able to be okay with that yeah. and not beat myself up about it. Like it's okay. So you might have to get the dog something else <laughs> for a pause so you can have your yoga mat back <laughs> or get a new yoga mat, whatever it takes. I have like five, um, but of course they're there for decorative purposes. <laughs> Oh, all right. Definitely well, that's a whole other pillows issue. that I don't use, but they look really, really cute under all of the plants. They really do. But you know what I mean? You'll find you'll figure out the ways to get that back. 
Exactly. And I think, again, it came down to like that self-check. So as much as I pride myself on like being on top of it, it was when you had the workshop and you went over the different things and we scored up each domain that I, it was kind of like that eye-opening. And I know I was joking around when we were doing it in the chat with my work, but I was just like, oh, wow. Scored <laughs> <laughs> out there. Who were, sometimes, at least for me, I can also put the blinders on. Right. I don't want you're right. like same with like the health stuff that I was experiencing at the beginning. Okay, weight loss, I'll recognize it from when I put the blinders on. Menstrual stuff, I'm gonna recognize it. Talk to my doctor because this isn't fun, but I'm gonna put the blinders on. And but once right. it was like five or six things added up, those blinders had to come off. Right. Like something is wrong, you're not okay. What can you do to get back? And it was a mix of personal stuff. And reaching out to my inner circle and then talking to doctors, numerous sure. doctors, you know, and to be able to do what I had to do to get back to just being okay. Yeah. And being okay with okay. Right. Awesome. Now you so much that like <laughs> to talk about it, to unpack, I'm just like, wow, we could talk all night, I think, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. No. And I love how just thank you, because um, I really appreciate your openness and your honesty. And I know like you're a helping professional, like that's what you were born to do. And that's I am also. And that's why like a lot of my work is is in the education arena, because I love helping teachers yeah. because teachers the same thing, like that compassion fatigue, that burnout, that like just oh it's so real Mm -hmm. but and these are the people like the helping professionals nurses doctors like they're the last ones to do it for themselves yeah but they're the ones that have to do it first because self-care is other care Mm -hmm. when you're able to put yourself first you're a better mom you're a better teacher you're a better peer counselor and mental health professional like all these things you're a better nurse you're a better doctor like whatever you're just a better person Mm -hmm. when you can shift that narrative and put yourself first yeah and not feeling guilty about it that is not cool. feeling guilty. Yeah. Cause if you're beating yourself up about it, that's just, that's just counter counterproductive. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah. But awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for coming back and say, you know, sharing so much with us. And I just, I, I love it. I think it's really cool. And I do want to say, cause I didn't say it earlier, but Congrats on the divorce and on everything else in life that you're doing. I think it's awesome. It's an honor to watch you. And I mean, we've known each other since we were like five. So I think it's just really cool, you know, to kind of see where people are at now and and what they got going on and how good they're doing. And um, so just thank you. Of course. And thank you so much for the opportunity to continue to share my life experiences. Right. Who who knew that they could maybe help other people and myself by being able to share it and unpack it, right? Amy gives us so much to think about in how we perceive our setbacks and our challenges. And I love the idea about what would you do if you were not afraid? I so appreciate her willingness to be open and vulnerable as she navigates these new chapters and prioritizes her needs. Thanks for listening to this episode. Can you believe we're back for season three? How exciting. Remember to subscribe and rate this podcast on your preferred player. The ratings help us grow and share the message of self-care. 
If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, reach out directly by emailing podcast at drmcselfcare.com. And come join the cast party at Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. MC Self-Care. That's D-R-M-C Self-Care. Or on my website, drmcselfcare.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, and love me across all my social media platforms for the most up-to-date information on self-care. See you next time. Stay well and do good. You have one problem before you stop the recording. What? There's no episode title. It's our new thing now. If you don't do an episode title, I'm calling it out. So, Dr. MC, what are we calling this episode? Self-care self through divorce. Or self-care for divorcees. I don't know. That sounds that sounds awful hoity-toity. Self-care for divorcees eating oysters. I don't know. <laughs> self-care. <laughs> red pandas tattooed on it. Oh, my God. You're oh my such a nut. That could be I the title. It. Meet Mr. It. Death Skittles. <laughs> Oh my god, I love it. That's so funny. You're such a nut. Didn't that hurt? Like sitting, like the healing process? No, no, no. It was so funny because I haven't gotten one done in forever, and I went to a new guy. So there's nothing like going to a new tattoo artist. Is he adorable? Oh, okay. It's on your hip. All right, right. it's cute though. The hip. I said hip too, and people were like, "You need to stop lying to yourself." No, I figured like full on cheek, like and when Andy Bernard did it in the in the office, like that's what I. Was <laughs> no, that's cute. He's wicked cute. Oh. Okay, so what's the that's episode so title gonna be? I don't know. Self care through challenging times. Self care through divorce. Divorce and self care. I kind of liked the what could you what would you do if you couldn't fail or if you wouldn't fail. But I feel like we need to because we talk so much about divorce. I feel like that needs to be in the title. You like that one? Might as well. Is it not true? So, you know, it is self-care for divorcees. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if I really gave much self-care help. More of just like the compassion thing, but. That doesn't help? Yeah, Yeah, that's true. So, well, compassion, compassion through divorce or. Compassion over divorce. Compassion. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make a theme. We're going to have like a whole like. Self-care, yeah. Compassion over perfection, compassion over divorce.